Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. I wanted to do something on Memorial Day, family-wise, just something. I came up with the idea of a hike. We go for a hike. Weather was going to be glorious. I didn't even remember that my kids have never been on an official hike. I mean, we've gone camping and done various things and walked, but not like. You look up a hiking trail, it's X miles long, and you bring a backpack with water and sunscreen and all that sort of stuff. So I picked a hike, and I didn't want, want one that was too easy, because I've been on a number of hikes in my life. They were just too freaking easy, especially if you're a 13-year-old boy and an 11-year-old boy with lots of energy. They're like a big, clear, flat path. Sometimes they're even paved. And it's a walk. It's a walk. Yeah. It's a yeah. walk. It's just a step above a mall walk. It's a mall walk with a nicer view, which is fine. It, it has its place. I'll bet the average age of hikers is on the older end. Like my mom and dad do a lot of walking over there. So they, I think they cater to that crowd a lot, which is fine. But I wanted something more challenging than it. I didn't want to like free, free climb Yosemite or something like that. But uh, I wanted a little more challenging now. Well, I overshot by a lot and I've done a fair amount of hiking in my life. This was the most grueling hike I've ever been on. And, uh, it wasn't a good introduction for the first hike. <sighs> Partially because all of the little bridges that took you apart across like ravines and creeks and stuff like that were burnt out in the big fires in California. And so now you had to just find a way to traverse it on foot. Oh, and it, and it was, it was relatively difficult. And the path was really overgrown because the bridges were burnt down there. Nobody's been hiking these trails. 
And so it was really, really difficult to stay on the path and figure out where it was. It was really overgrown with uh, with weeds and stuff. Oh, oh my on, gosh. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> He's got the trail the fever, folks. Yeah, I got trail fever. So I also made a very poor choice uh, footwear-wise. I don't uh, have any hiking boots at this point in my life, and I wore some uh, work boots that are completely flat on the bottom. Oh. And walking on the like long grass that is dead and bent over flat, walking with the <sighs> flat shoes, it was like walking on ice. I mean, I'm yeah. from the Midwest. I know walking on, it was like walking on ice where you'll take a step and just all of a sudden, whoop, your feet go out and you're on your back. I mean, that's the way it is walking on slippery ice. It was like this <sighs> on this grass, except it was like next to cliffs. And I was really worried that I was going to go <laughs> and go rolling down the cliff and, you know, be landing on the rocks or whatever. And oh my I, God, that sounds terrifying. Yeah. Luckily, my kids had better shoes on and they did not fall at all, but I fell a bunch and it was really hard. And my kids were complaining and wanting to go back the whole time. And I kept talking about building character and, you know, not quitting and all these different things. It was a 4.7 mile total hike. And, uh, I don't know how much of it we did. Maybe three miles actually had to turn back. It just, I yeah. fell nine times, which is a lot of times to fall down. I mean, completely to the ground, either flat on my back or flat on my stomach fall down. And as the numbers grew, as I got up to like fall number seven of landing flat on my tailbone and I would just lay there and groan and think, I would say, go on without me. Leave me here. Hmm. Um, it was just, it was, just, although I did tell them at one point, you'll, you'll be talking about this in 40 years. I guarantee you when you're 53 and you're 51, you're going to get together for some family, something or other, and you'll be laughing about this, even though yeah. it's miserable right now. <laughs> Sam had so many foxtails in his socks and down in his shoes that his feet were bleeding by the time we got back to the truck. Oh no! Yeah, it was it was it was just not pleasant. Not oh, pleasant. My. So I way over, and they all both say they never want to hike again. And I've won, I ruined one of the great recreations of all time. So I'll have to I don't know present. Uh, they they said we I would have to pay them to go on another hike. So I might literally pay them to go on a wow. better hike to reintroduce them to hiking. Do you remember what the trail was rated? Of course, it was probably raided before the bridges burnt out. Yeah, that was the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Brutality. Poor choice. And, uh, and a friend of mine suggested that I get a walking stick, which she said is a, sounds a lot nicer than cane in terms of mm. something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nice job. Dad. Do you know That's how many guy. times nine times is to fall completely to the ground? That's a lot of times to fall. As an older fella? Yeah. Or of any age. He had a fall. Then he had eight more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We were so beat up by the time we got back to the truck. We got in the truck, and we all just sat there for a while, and we were so beat up in so much pain and tired and worn out and discouraged. We could barely move to get to a restaurant where we ate giant ice cream cones to try to soothe ourselves. Wow, with nothing more soothing than a giant ice cream cone. Maybe the next walk will be the uh, you know wide paved flat mall walk that my parents enjoy doing. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. Nice death march, Dad. Yeah, that's what Henry said going to bed last night. He said that was like military camp. Why did you do that to us? Uh, you've probably had this situation though. As we are going along, things got a little uh, snipey in the family uh, mm. more than I would like. A little uh, yes, little uh, people not uh, you know. Little complaining than me, you know. Not enough complaining. Let's have a positive attitude. You made us go on this stupid hike, you know that sort of thing. 
Henry at one point said, this is really testing our family. <laughs> wow. Well, part of my uh, kid's childhood was the, uh, the the goats and sheep that they send around to, to eat down all of the grasslands because they're so fire prone in the summertime. Obviously, you know, no matter where you live, wildfires are a problem in California. Well, some of the communists, well-known suspects behind a lot of the evil doing in California for the last several years, are now trying to screw that up, which is going to cause innumerable deaths from fires. But uh, we'll let William Lajeunesse of Fox News explain what's going on. Let's start with 65, Michael. Oceanside, California. 200 goats hired by San Diego Gas and Electric clear brush under power lines ahead of fire season. The livestock are a popular eco-friendly alternative to bulldozers or chemicals. This could end, however, under a bill backed by the California Labor Federation that turns goat herders into hourly farm workers, paid time and a half even when they're not working. But former Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez, who sponsored the law, says it's about protecting workers. To make sure that the workers who are associated with it aren't being abused, um, that they're not being taken advantage of, that they, in fact, are being treated fairly. What the hell is wrong with you people? There are people with goats willing to do this, clearly, by supply and demand standards. You can see it right in front of your eyes, but you want to get in the way of that. Why? She's a Marxist. This is the gal who got AB5 going, the notorious California law which made it illegal to be a gig worker illegal to be a freelancer an actor a, a, a musician um the uber drivers although anybody who had enough political clout to get themselves written out of the bill did but it's an effort to get everybody into the freaking seiu the big union that's what she's all about to get she is a union money grubbing just viper if you, you know, in my in my opinion, clip 67, Michael, we're all about fairness. We don't want to lose these people. Johnny Gonzalez owns 2000 goats. Most companies like his bring herders here on visas, typically from Peru, and are paid about four thousand dollars a month, plus room, food and phone. But if the union bill goes through, their pay will jump to $14,000 a month, more than most can afford. By January 1 of 24, if we cannot fix uh, the current legislation, uh, we will be forced to sell these goats to slaughter and to the auction yards, and we'll be forced out of business and probably file for bankruptcy. There you go. So these guys come from Peru. They're making 50 grand a year, plus room and board and a phone. They're thrilled with it. And I've watched these operations. When there's nothing to do, the sheepdogs take care of it all. And these guys sleep or, you know, fix fences necessary or what have you. But there's not all that much to do until it's time to move the fences. Then they put in probably a pretty good long day and they go sleep. And so you're going to make it too expensive to exist. Exactly. You're going to put them all out of business and or unionize. And again, so lots and lots of people out of business, a bunch of businesses and wildfires destroy property and kill people. That's Lorena Gonzalez for you. She's evil. E-V-I-L, all caps. Or or do they do they believe that the market won't adjust the other side of it? I was talking to my kids about this with minimum wage and everything. Like They had this conversation the other day um, about, you know, why it works for McDonald's now to have these automated computer systems that you walk in touch screens to order your food. 
Well, they finally made it expensive enough to hire a human being, and the computers got cheap enough to, well, just do the computer then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, she's a committed, I'm trying to come up with the right word that won't get us in trouble. Uh, she's a, a dedicated uh, socialist, Marxist, union goon, um, and, and all about everybody having to be in unions, which will give them enormous power and wealth. And that's her, that's how she makes a living. Even the San Plus, Fr- I believe she's a committed Marxist. Even the San Francisco Chronicle, though, when they raised the minimum wage the last time, had articles about coffee shops and bookstores that were going to have to close because they only had a couple employees. They're small operations. They just, you couldn't stay open at the wage they were going to be forced to pay. As Tim Sanford right. always says, you're making certain jobs illegal. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. You're making it illegal for me to say, I give you $12 worth of value per hour. I like this work. I'm happy with that wage. You're making it illegal for me to do that. Right. I'm either young or retiree or this is my second job. I'm willing to do this for this wage. It's great for me. You made it illegal for me to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Because you've got to pay everybody who can fog a mirror a quote-unquote living wage. If they bring you $3 of value per hour, you've got to pay them $15 per hour because, well, because everybody who does anything should make enough to support a household. Uh, Since when? According to whom? And now there's a movement for the individual goats to get paid $15 an hour and get free community college to start with. You know that'll become a four-year college before you know it. And then the vote, the goat vote. <laughs> and the goats oh. will have the vote. We'll be paying for their abortions. You know, we've oh, we've got to uh, get the animal rights people involved because they're going to slaughter all these goats. They're they're not going to give them like you know a, a car and ten thousand dollars to get their lives started. They're going to freaking kill them and eat them. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty, the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Armstrong and Getty Show. From the Department of Critical Thinking, I guess. And, you know, some people I think are just born better at it than others. I try to get better at it, but I found both intriguing. Uh, first of all, this was sent along by alert listener Mike, and I appreciate it very much, Mike. It's about data and its usefulness and how you get it and how you interpret it. During World War II, fighter planes would come back from battle with bullet holes. The Allies found the areas that are most commonly hit by enemy fire. They sought to strengthen the most commonly damaged parts of the planes to reduce the number that were shot down. A mathematician, Abraham Wald, pointed out that perhaps there was another way to look at the data. Perhaps the reason certain areas of the plane weren't covered in bullet holes was that planes that were shot in those areas did not return. Mm. This insight led to the armor being reinforced on the parts of the plane where there weren't as many bullet holes on the planes that returned. Fascinating! What a fascinating way to look at things. I, I had the light bulb go on myself. Wow. The story behind the data is arguably more important than the data itself. Oh, more precisely, the reason behind why we are missing certain pieces of data may be more meaningful than the data we have. That's a good one right there. That is a good one, isn't it? Moving along. This is the fabulous Kevin Williamson uh, writing his uh, weekly column thing for the dispatch. Economics for English majors is uh, a little section that he does every week, and I always find intriguing. The headline from the Wall Street Journal, whose editors should know better, is, quote, wage gains lag behind inflation for another year. If the wage gains were less than inflation, then there weren't any wage gains at all. There were wage losses. 
A very useful concept in economics is the real. Real wages, real GDP, real median household income over time, etc. Real simply means adjusted for inflation. And if you aren't adjusted for inflation, then you're not in the realm of the real. Nope. Uh, and, and I think we all kind of get this, but I love this description. Money, properly understood, is basically a record-keeping system. Manipulating the records does not change the real world. If you have 100 apples and they cost $10 on Tuesday, but cost $20 on Wednesday, you're not twice as wealthy in apple terms as you were the day before, only in dollar terms. And you can't bake a dollar pie. For the most part, I don't care if the increased dollar value of my stock portfolio reflects some underlying economic reality, although in the long run it must. We don't think about that sort of thing too much. But the real economy is not made up of dollars. It is made up of apples and wheat and labor and engineering services and magazine articles and all the things we make and do that add up to economic output. A great deal of modern economic policy is oriented toward trying to monkey with the record-keeping system in some clever way. But in the end, what matters is how much wheat you grow, how much work you can do, the the efficacy of the software you develop, etc. When the record-keeping system becomes too disconnected with the underlying economic reality, as when, for instance, you send a huge pile of money out of the federal coffers at a time when economic production is, is in fact, stagnant or declining, then you end up with problem inflation like we have now. Shunting money into the economy does not in and of itself add to the number of acres under cultivation or increase the available workforce or induce innovation and creativity. Making money cheaper cheaper makes it easier to access credit, which is beneficial to entrepreneurs and young firms. But another way of looking at it is that a policy of artificially cheap money is a tax on savers and a subsidy for debtors. That's a policy you can follow for a long time, but the correction, which are probably only beginning to really experience these days, can be painful. It is a tax on savers and a subsidy on debtors. The first part about the apples, remember the other day I was talking about how my uh, kids got a chunk of money for Christmas, and I thought, God, that's a lot of money. How much? Mm-hmm. And so I went. I used my inflation calculator on my phone to go back to like when I was their age to figure out what that would have been to get a more realistic, because I still have a warped view of what money is. I'd say, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't kept up with inflation. It completely changed the way I look at it. So, and then he gets to, I think, the the most important part of this. Uh, oh, get back to the whole uh, taxing savers and, and subsidizing debtors thing. It, it sounds a lot to me like doing some meth so you can do an all-nighter and, and get the job done, whatever the job is. <laughs> Might work in the short term, but, oh, man, you're playing with fire. So, anyway, his conclusion, I think, is brilliant. Brilliant. What we need is an economic policy that is oriented toward the real economy rather than a policy that's oriented toward trying to goose the economy through government spending during slow times. But that's harder to do because when it comes to things like fixing the schools, developing an intelligent energy policy, and providing a stable, long-term regulatory and tax regime for investors so they know what to expect... It's much easier and more politically juicy to run willy-nilly from one thing to the next, lurching from crisis to crisis and policy to policy, as though the lurching were not a big part of the problem to begin with. Mm. Stable policy. Smart, long-term thinking, stable policy is the best thing you can do for any economy. And our political culture, it, it, it expects and, and causes the opposite. What can we do about it? I don't know.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER this is it your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The shocking revelation from the FAA. They've ordered about 60 pilots who are also military veterans out of the cockpit amid an investigation into nearly 5,000 pilots who the FAA alleges falsified medical records. The VA Inspector General's office became, quote, concerned that some pilots may be hiding mental health conditions or fraudulently receiving disability benefits. The FAA saying it has closed about half the cases and says a majority of the pilots whose cases remain open can still fly while they investigate. 600 of the pilots under investigation have licenses to fly passenger airlines. There's a couple interesting angles to this story. As I know some military people and I know some pilots and uh, pass that along to you. But the Wall Street Journal had this story yesterday. 5,000 pilots suspected of hiding major health issues. Most are still flying. That's a pretty eye-grabbing headline. Makes you go, oh my God, my pilot's got a heart problem and is going to crash us into the ground or whatever. What's going on here, at least in this particular case, is you have a lot of military veterans that the claim is, and this might be true in some cases, uh, the claim is that a lot of these veterans are minimizing their ailments to the FAA so that they don't lose their license. 
but exaggerating them to the VA to maximize their disability payments. So it's, ah. I can't, I can't, you know, function in society because of my PTSD. I need a big check. But to your, to the FAA, you're saying, I'm fine. I got no problems. Uh, you know, you check a box saying you've never had any problems so that they don't take away your flying license. So that could be going on. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, well, the more the government controls and the more financial success depends on kowtowing to the government, the more you see gaming the system. The FAA relies on aviators to self-report conditions that can otherwise be difficult to detect, such as depression or post-traumatic stress, according to physicians who conduct the exams. You'd have to be a certain sort of person who's got a really good job. Like, you're a commercial airline pilot. You're making good money. you got a great job. you got a big union and all that sort of stuff. And you're going to, what, go to your boss and say, you know, I've been feeling kind of depressed lately. You probably should not let me fly. I mean, who's going to do that? Or even, more likely, hey, I'm getting treated for depression, but I'm I'm great. Um, right. It's it's part of part of life. I'm dealing with it. And I, I cherish every life on board, every aircraft I ever fly, so don't worry about it. You know how many people are taking some sort of medicine for depression that are no threat to you whatsoever? Gazillions! Right, yeah, yeah. I uh, And, and I, bet, I bet this is a factor in it, too. Um, a young person who I know was told quite specifically by a military recruiter, don't tell the truth about that. I know, I know. About a mental health issue. I know this for a fact, and uh, I'll be vague myself. But you hear noises that, no, 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 that may be the way it used to be. But now you can be, you know, you can report that you're dealing with this or that. Not if you want to move up or get that next assignment doing this or that. You can't be honest. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work that way. And uh, so uh, this from a uh, pilot I know. There are so many tiny little ways you can lose your license. I happen to know this pilot. Like, his biggest fear is any sort of minor health problem. You could have the most minor of health problems that, like, is very common to have occur to you, like, in your 50s, or early 60s or whatever. But you ain't going to get to fly anymore if 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 it's something you have to report. Hmm. Just because they're very particular about that sort of thing. Like, taking Sudafed can cause you to lose your license. What? I'm not exactly sure why. The hoops you have to go through to get the license back is major. You, for instance, you get disoriented that day, for example. If you knew you'd lose your livelihood by reporting it, would you report to somebody that you got disoriented for a few minutes? You'd have to undergo massive testing and jump through tons of bureaucratic red tape to get your job back. So unless it's a major concern, most people will not report it. And that's why they have two guys in the cockpit on all planes anyway, in case one of them does, you know, fall over from a heart attack or stroke or whatever the heck happens to him. Two people, please, you sexist. Uh, yeah. Well, that's that's fine. That's fine. Which is fine. I'm a little uh, the the two people in there and, and well, yeah, yeah, the yeah. pilots are kind of self regulating. I'm fine with that too. Do you remember when that uh, when uh, both those commercial pilots uh, had a heart attack and and the plane went down? No, neither do I because it doesn't happen. Or do you remember the uh, the pilot who was depressed so took the plane into the ground on purpose <laughs> and he got away with it because the other pilot had had a stroke. <laughs> Maybe no. maybe that Malaysian flight, maybe that's what happened, but that would be an outlier, and we don't even know that that's the case. So, yeah, it's not an ongoing problem. Flip on CNN, they're probably still searching for that plane. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have a job, though, where if I got some, like, fluttering in my heart today and went to the doctor, that's going to show up and I'm done. Sorry, you can't be on the radio. You had a heart flutter and, you know, 
Can't do it. You got a cold, you got an inner ear thing, and you feel a little vertigo for a second, and then you feel better. You can't report that, or you're out. And there's a pilot shortage already. Right. So that's yeah. a problem. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see this develop. I don't feel particularly threatened nope. by, yeah, as we were saying. Oh, speaking of transportation, I thought this was so good. Have you ever heard the term uh, regulatory cobwebs before? I hadn't. I don't think uh, so. But it's uh, it's something that came out of this uh, article by uh, Holman Jenkins. Why our EV policies are so extremely stupid, <laughs> which I thought was a great headline. Blame laws and rules enacted when nobody was thinking about electrical vehicles or climate change. The idea of regulatory cobwebs is they pass rules and regulations and priorities, and then the spider of need moves on but the cobwebs remain and you end up with a regulatory environment that is so convoluted confusing complex and sticky it's it's perverse and they're talking about the incentives for evs in particular and then the spider climbs in your ear and lays the eggs of necessity oh boy oh boy i gotta admit when i had my uh and nobody wants to hear about earwax we've established that <laughs> yes yes we have i wish you hadn't said it I know, I know. It's there are very few substances that are less appealing. But <laughs> it's a sickening. I've got to admit, I was ninety-eight percent convinced that once again I had a problem with the aforementioned body substance. Uh, but there was like five percent of me thinking, "Boy, I hope the." Uh, well, I hate to even say it out loud. Spider eggs? Nothing crawled in there and laid eggs or something like that. <laughs> nope, turned out to be wax, folks. All was well. <clears throat> anyway, so uh, this this uh, piece of journalism in the Wall Street Journal is talking about how uh, behind the scenes and after they retire, all of the major car manufacturing CEOs say the same thing, that this is absolutely nuts. Um the the summary being the policies and market realities now cause automakers to churn out exactly the wrong kind of electric vehicles if the goal as we claim is carbon reduction uh jim farley admitted last year he's the ceo of ford that ford needs more profits from gas-powered cars to cover losses from electric vehicles and more recently conspicuously trimmed back ford's commitment to evs saying the company was losing too much money on them you see that I wish more people understood this. Yeah, there are a lot of EVs on the lot because the government made them produce a certain number of EVs and they've got to have a, their gas mileage thing. So all the vehicles that people want that they actually make a profit off of are over yeah. here. And then the vehicles that we have to have to keep our doors open are over here. It's hilarious in a, a supposedly free market system. And to the extent that Americans want EVs, they want biggins. Sure. Which have allegedly more environmental impact. Not a surprise. Yeah. So, uh, but then he says, uh, our fuel economy regulations are incurably stupid. Not because our leaders are necessarily stupid. Not necessarily. Uh, but because an inherited structure of regulation traps us in a stupid policy. The net result is a convoluted set of impulses that authentically serve no purpose at all, have no net benefits for the American people or climate, as even the U.S. Department, uh, Transportation Department was obliged recently to disclose in the Federal Register. A Rube Goldberg testimony to path dependency. That's another term that I'm not really familiar with. I think I can figure out what it means in in context. 
you, you get down a path a certain amount of time and you just feel like you have to keep going down that path. Sure. But as the great philosopher, was it Kant or Robert Plant said, yes, there are two paths you can go by, but in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. Anyway. Great lesson in sunk costs. That's a good point. Uh, plus, he was going to give you every inch of his love, yeah, or so he claimed. Ah, that nearwax in the same uh, segment. Wow, I know. I, what's that? I, I'm out of control. Anyway, back to uh, cars and that sort of thing. <clears throat> I love Led Zeppelin, but I hate the stupid I'm going to sex you up songs. Just to whatever happened to subtlety, Moon June Spoon, whatever happened to a good love song? Huh? <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> uh, Bubba. Oh, here it is. You're familiar with a Rube Goldberg machine, right? That reference? It, it was actually a thing for a while in the 19th, 20th century. You would build these incredibly elaborate machines. Much, much, much more elaborate than was necessary to get a little silver ball from here to there. It was an exercise in mechanical cleverness and, and amusing a crowd. But that's a Rube Goldberg machine. Something that is ridiculously complex for a simple task. <clears throat> I just want to make sure everybody follows the reference. A Rube Goldberg testimony to path dependency. These rules were created for one reason. Gas shortages in the 1970s. With new rationales periodically adopted in keeping with the scary thing du jour. Uh, air pollution. Then encouraging small car production in domestic factories. Then energy independence. Then fighting climate change. Yet, as our government now admits in official documentation, no matter the declared purpose, the rules achieve more cost than benefit. And then they go into some specifics of the auto industry that are a little complicated. Um, but he points out that this is all also mind-bogglingly expensive for the auto manufacturers who then have to double down on the profitable stuff, which is really the last thing your climate activists want to happen, which is big, powerful vehicles. Mm-hmm. And it is time to absolutely tear this thing down to the studs and start again because it is impossibly complex and utterly counterproductive, which is not shocking the more you live and learn and and see government at work. Right. Oh, and this guy says either, oh, whatever the stated goal of our fuel economy regulations this week, this month, or this year, um, GM's Mr. Lutz remains the clear thinker. Either hit Americans with a stiff gasoline tax or give up and let market forces decide which cars will be offered for sale. That first one would be super unpopular. It would get people to fuel economy like it has in Europe. Tiny little hamster-driven clown cars. <laughs> right. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Today is Rosalind Carter's 96th birthday, wife of former President Jimmy Carter. He is of similar age, doesn't have it here. They have been married for 77 years. Wow. Both the oldest first lady ever, oldest president ever, longest marriage of any president and his wife ever. Seem like super nice people. Not a fan of his politics or presidency, but... Yeah, I would agree. I mean, he spent his post presidency building houses for the poor it's hard to argue with that i know there is a lot of factors involved but so i'm driving down the freeway yesterday with my son sam who's a car nut and knows more about cars than than anybody i know in terms of like models and years and trends and stuff like that not the mechanical stuff just the i don't know what you would call it the uh the culture of it but uh we saw a Datsun truck go by. i said to, i said a Datsun, why you never see those from way back before they were nissan i said yes when i was when I was young, lots of people drove those tiny little Datsun trucks, and we got into the topic of that weird period of America. And like I said, I realize there are a number of things causing that. It wasn't just Jimmy Carter, but when people were driving these tiny little trucks, and and the speed limit on the interstate was 55 miles an hour, and you were supposed yeah. to set your thermostat at 85 degrees, and, and a man wasn't John Wayne, it was Alan Alda, and it was just all these different things. We were so soft and just, eh. Like when I was his age. Well, at least Alan Alda called himself a man. He didn't claim he was a woman, throw on a dress like Claire. That's a decent point. (laughs) We got all so soft and weedy and weak and just not America when I was his age. Well, then what about our pop music at the time? Our rock and roll was bread and, 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 and whatever else. Right, and so many of my favorite things, like I'm thinking about, like Martin guitar and Gibson guitar, and just various things I like. Their worst periods were then. That's when their stuff was so crappy. Um, Harley Davidson, you shouldn't even b- bought them then. You wouldn't buy them now. Just everything was crap in the like mid late seventies. Why? Just uh, hmm. world politics, our politics. I think, yeah, number of, what a great question. Uh, I'm sure that's the topic of, of, of great books somewhere, but a combination of post-Vietnam feeling of failure, mistrust, and 
self-loathing post-Watergate was at the same time you had the Arab oil embargo, so you had terrible economic headwinds, sky-high interest rates. It was just, it was like one of those days when you just feel crappy. We had like a decade. Right. I was. Uh, we got on this kick. Joe started this Twitter thread thingy that we we're all reading about Apocalypse Now, which might be my favorite all-time movie. But that came out in 1979. Did not win Best Picture. And I thought, well, how did it not win Best Picture? You know what won Best Picture? Kramer versus Kramer. A, m- yeah. a movie about East Coast elite getting divorced. And it just fits in with that whole thing I was just talking about. Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. We were no longer the adventuring country, the dynamic, let's do this country. We're the licking our wounds, self-obsessed, psychotherapy, wussy man country. And, and by the way, wussy is a bad term. I don't, uh, there are effeminate guys. It's fine. We need poets and we need Navy SEALs, as I always say. Um, but yeah, at the point that a country is ruled by its, flower-shirted, limp-wristed poets. I, 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 I'm not sure that's a period of dynamic growth. The president was wearing sweaters on TV. It's just, it was just bad. Just bad all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to explain. But we, but, but the most interesting thing to me is we, having lived through it, that was the worst period, um, uh, that I've lived through. Maybe, maybe, maybe we're working on it now. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but we came out of it. Yes. You know, and Reagan gets a lot of credit for that, or the Morning in America, and just a complete reverse, just, I mean, could we have been more dynamic through the 80s, and just, the cars got bigger, and we started driving faster, and music got cars better. Cars got and, better, too, uh, in a large manner. Yeah, yeah, all kinds yeah. of things got better. I don't know. Maybe it's simply that, and thank God for this, hangovers end. <laughs> they They last a certain amount of time, then they're over. It was the hippie hangover. I, that what I wouldn't blame the hippies. I always yeah, blame I read the hippies. Something. I had this sitting around forever, and we never got to it. An analysis of uh, looking at generations. Pew Research did a big research project, and we're talking about it. And, and they were pointing out how ridiculously inaccurate virtually every assessment of every generation is. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Well, first well, of all, were putting a start and end date on them is really insane. I mean, that makes no sense whatsoever. All right, like it's just we're, silly. We're Generation X by one year. So if we yeah. were one year younger or older, I don't even remember what she was, we'd be older, a yeah. completely different generation that means completely different things. Whatever. Well, picture baby boomers and their lives and their trends and all right. Now bear in mind that the vast majority of baby boomers were infants, toddlers, or preschoolers during the summer of love. That wasn't really many baby boomers. That was a mix of different, you know, all right, granted, if you were born in 1945, you were there in San Francisco on the hillside. But they, the other thing that they pointed out that was so interesting was that so many of our perceptions rely entirely on coastal elites, college-educated or college-student examples of that generation. Right. And um, New York-centered media or L.A.-centered mm-hmm. media, no doubt about that. I, I remember learning all about Woodstock and stuff like that as a kid and thinking about what a glorious thing that must have been and how important it was. And it was portrayed to me through Rolling Stone magazine and documentaries as having dominated the country. And it was just all everything everybody was into and talking about. My dad was completely unaware it even existed when he was in. He was young at that age because he was in the Midwest working as a grown man 
you know, raising kids and married. It, it's a, it wasn't part of his life. It was a big part of your life if you were in New York. You might see a week later, hey, there's a big uh, concert in uh, a bunch of dirty footed New York. And and it rained and turned into chaos, and you think, huh, I'll be damned. Then you'd go back <laughs> into your life doing what you do. The Armstrong and Getty. What in God's name? The 100 on the crazy meter. Well, bad it does, sir. Man, that makes my soul bleed. That's insane. It's a little too much donkey talk. Unacceptable! Armstrong and Getty. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.